Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Football Social Daily. Premier League Preview. Hello and welcome to the Football Social Daily. It's the weekend preview. My name is Joe McGrath, giving you all the latest team news, predictions and build up ahead of the busy weekend that we've got in Premier League action. As well as your daily podcast, we also do uh, the source of the Premier League news with updates of all 20 teams. And this is amazing, by the way. I personally use it. Uh, make sure you do as well. You simply go to your Amazon Alexa. I hope I've not turned it off and it's going wild now. And you go enable sports social and then say your team. So I would obviously say Manchester United. Uh, I'm joined by Peen from BBC. What would you you say um, Manchester United. Oh, you know, you are. Put you on the spot there. Uh, Mark's also with us from the Independent. Hello, Mark. You don't have to say what you say. Jolie, anyway, they're not in it. So. <laughs> when when we expand, we might get Jolie into it, though. Yeah, definitely. Uh, right. So this is the uh, the build up to the weekend. Uh, Premier League football uh, taking over with two matches, uh, ten matches across the the weekend. There's no Monday football, no Friday football. It's all inside Saturday and Sunday. And we're going to start with the first game of the weekend. It's a trip to Bournemouth for Manchester United. And it is a possible turning of the corner, shall we say, over the last couple of games with a Europa League result. Uh, uh, sorry, starting off with a nil-nil against Liverpool. So one-one. Uh, some might say, is is that a good result against Liverpool? Then going to Europa League, getting a win, and then that win against uh, you've got the likes of Norwich on the weekend, and then we have got the uh, the victory against Chelsea, moving them into the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup. Has the corner been turned? I think that's going to be question one. Is there a corner, Fergal? And has it been turned? Uh, I think there is a corner. Uh, I'd say United are halfway round the corner. I think they haven't got to the to the corner bit of the corner just yet. Okay, I'm pitching it in my head. Yeah, I can see it. I can see <laughs> they're kind the of, they're coming to about. it. They can see how they're going to turn. They just haven't turned just yet. I think the fixture fairies have been quite kind to United of late. Um, the Norwich game and obviously the Bournemouth game, which is the first game of the weekend. Mm-hmm. If ever there was a, an, an away game that a side like United who wanted to get some confidence and get themselves back up into the reckoning in the top four, top six, it's these two. Norwich have been terrible uh, ever since they beat Manchester City and Bournemouth are on a really poor run of late. Eddie Howe's had terrible luck with injuries and, and getting his best players on the pitch. That seems to be easing a little bit, but that being said, Manchester United going to Bournemouth, 
with Bournemouth, Bournemouth kind of low on confidence, but also, as I say, those key players either not fit to play or only just coming back to fitness. This is a ripe opportunity for United to to use the corner analogy to get, again, to get right to the point of that corner and then turn it next week. Mark, would you agree with that? I mean, you've spent some time with Solskjaer today. Uh, have you seen any difference between him this week to previous weeks and, and what are your thoughts out of this game? He's tired. He's a lot Is more he? tired than he was a few weeks ago. Yeah, I think it's just all the travelling, three away games in mm-hmm. a row. Um, but I, I would say he's a little bit happier as well. And obviously you would be after three wins. Um, whether they've turned the corner or not, I'm not so certain. I, I definitely agree with Fergal in that I think Norwich was a game that I, I think by the end of the season we'll look back on trips to Carrow Road. Even though Manchester City lost there, I think we'll be thinking that that's a bit of a gimme uh, they've got the worst defence in the league, so even United, who currently can't score from open play, even they managed to bag three and miss two penalties. I think um, Bournemouth, like, yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's another one that if you were going to pick a game to, if you're going to pick an away day, I think it's one that suits them. Bournemouth will like to keep the ball. Um, United are much better on the counter attack. Uh, we've seen that. I think we saw that most of all in the Liverpool game, where they basically allowed Liverpool to keep possession and they sprung with James and Rashford running. So I think this is a game that suit them. It might turn out to be four wins in four and suddenly the suddenly the ship's been turned around, the big tanker. But I think if one if we've learnt one thing from Solskjaer's time at United so far, it's not to read too much into these groups of positive results. You know, that's exactly the mistake that we made at the start, I would say. So Corner, no, nah, I, I don't see it being turned just yet. Yeah, I, I think, uh, Pete, uh, what Mark was uh, suggesting there is sometimes you go on social media, United fans are already up in arms at the fact that they're back, they're back. Uh, you know, uh, the corner is gone, Solskjaer knows what he's doing, he's learning, the players are performing for him. What do you see when you watch Manchester United now at the minute? If another good result comes against Bournemouth, do you have confidence that the season might be back on track? I think... I agree with what you were saying in, in the sense of, you know, people do get a little bit excited when United are on this sort of good run um, of fixtures and results. But I think an important thing to mention as well is that United now, they were lacking so much confidence and hopefully the fact that they have three wins now and could potentially go to four and Marcus Rashford scoring again is a big thing for Manchester United and a big thing thing for the fans as well because they were doubting Marcus Rashford who has been sort of a hero for them and now finally he's you know he's got his mojo back a little bit um to get that mm-hmm. confidence back in the team will hopefully make them play a little bit better and be a more attractive for people to watch it's a case of United just performing better as a team. But has it been a case of any one player standing out for United Field? Do you think anyone's stepped up when United have been in that time of need? Um, I might throw Martial in there. Uh, not just, I wouldn't say his, his aura on the pitch, but his confidence on the pitch. And maybe just him coming back into the squad has given United that boost that they need. I think at the start of the season, it was Daniel James. All the talk was about his goals and his performances. And I think it has continued to be him. He's not maybe hit the headlines as much as he did in the first month or the first six weeks. But as Mark said before, when you watch United, he's the player getting them up the pitch. When they need to break with speed, he's the one carrying the ball or he's making the pass before the pass or the you know the pre-assist or, or, or however you want to phrase it. He's that player that's injecting that little bit of energy into, into United because so many times we've seen this season the ball just getting carouseled around midfield. They need someone to inject a bit of life into it. And that's been him. And, and to follow on from what Pean said about, about Rashford, it's fantastic to see him with a smile on his face, playing with such confidence. You saw the way he celebrated after the free kick against Chelsea. He went absolutely mental, went straight over to the away fans. I think with Rashford, his, his attitude for me has never really been in doubt. He's always had 
the, determ- the determination to be the player that he can be. But we're talking about, is he 21, 20, 21? He's just turned 22. Think, 22, yeah. sorry, beg your pardon. But it's like yesterday, so don't <laughs> worry. <laughs> Happy birthday, Marcus Rashford. Um, it's, it's natural for a striker of his age, under the scrutiny that he is, that his confidence will drop. But all credit to him, his, his mentality never changed. His application to being the player that he wants to be has never changed. And now he's getting his, his rewards for that. Mark, do you think when the people analyse Rashford, they're, they're quite harsh on him? Or do you think that he's in the spotlight, he's a United striker, these pressures will come? I think both of those things can be true. I think... Um... You know, like you say, he's he's in the, he's in that role, and that is going to bring certain scrutiny. Um, I think it's still a bit unclear what his true position is. I know that he said this summer that he doesn't quite see himself as an out and out number nine. Um, he's had to play there for a lot of this season until Martial came back fit, so that kind of counted against him. Um, you know, Gareth Southgate has said before that he sees him out wide as well. Mm-hmm. So I think once he's got into that position, we're seeing a little bit more from him. I'd still be a little bit uncertain. I mean. There was obviously the two goals of the other night. The one's a penalty and one's a free kick. It's a great free kick, but how many free kicks have we seen from him over like the past year or so that haven't worked out so well? Um, I'd, I'd still want him. I know Solskjaer says this all the time. You want to see from Rashford. You want to see him scoring more scrappy goals. You want him in around the six-yard box, a bit like the one against Liverpool, where he's just he's had that. You know, he's seen that ball coming in from James, and he's just got in the right position. I think. That's what he's kind of been missing from his game over time and it's an area for him to improve on. In terms of players to come back, you'd say that Pogba could be the biggest impact into the United squad. Uh, when do you judge this this United team being? Uh, when they get to Christmas, you'd, you'd think that maybe in the January they will strengthen slightly, maybe in their attacking lineup. Do you believe that uh, this United side could go on to, I mean, the top four seems so far away, but it's still a question. United will be under pressure to get that top four. Is it too far gone now or, or is this team able with results that keep on ticking by to get into that Champions League spot? I mean, well, anything's possible in the Premier League at the moment. You can see it, can't you? You know, teams are having good seasons, teams are having really under par seasons, mm-hmm. take Spurs, for example. Um, I think you've got to appreciate the fact that there's still a lot more work to do with United and it's not going to be sort of a season um, job. It's going to take a long time and players need to sort of just, you know, figure out what their best positions are, like you said with Marcus Rashford. Mm-hmm. It's still things like you've got a, a brilliant 22-year-old that is, you know, a great person for United, but he's still sort of finding his feet um, in the team. And if they're going to keep chopping and changing with players coming in and out, it's sort of trying to find the right fit. Um, so, I mean, they could, but I think there's too many good teams at the moment in the top, sort of with Liverpool, City, yeah. Leicester... Um, and then you know you've got the contention of the other team, so it's I'd, it's tricky. I want one, to isn't say it? I want to say yes, please, please, but I don't think it will. Uh, Fergal brought up the fixture fairy, so I'll just run through uh, the next six games. I mean, November's looking quite an easy ride for United. Uh, Bournemouth, uh, Partizan, uh, obviously in the Europa League. You got Brighton at home for United. The trip to Sheffield United. We'll get on to talking about their game against Burnley soon. Astana again in the Europa League. Then we end in December where you got Villa. You still said yes, that's a should be an easy ride for them. Uh, and then the biggest test coming on the fourth of December. It's the Tottenham game. So then last the next six. Fixtures for United, two of them being Europa Leagues, but then you've got four Premier League fixtures. For, you would think, I mean, United of old would have just cleaned past them 12 points, but what, Bournemouth, Brighton, Sheffield United, Aston Villa, I mean, not bad. You'd hope that if the corner's going to be turned, be in the next four games. I think you're right. In terms of, if you look at those points that are available in the past, you would have said that's just four boxes being ticked by United. I think the target has to be double figures from it. There's the potential for one or two slips there, but... 
nobody wants to be in a situation. No top, sorry, no top four side wants to be in a situation over Christmas where they're absolutely desperate for points because they know it's all hands on deck. There's so many games in such a short short period of time. And and Christmas tends to throw up some very random results and a lot of upsets and a lot of a lot of changing around of things. United need to go into those set of games with points in the bag. They need to be able to be in a position where if they're not in the top four, they're knocking on the door so that when Christmas rolls around mm-hmm. and the games start coming even thicker and even faster, they're in a position to maybe give themselves a little bit of slack. Here's the question for all of us then as a joint debate and it's one that has been in the back of my mind since the rough start at the start of the season. If it was United fans, if it was maybe uh, other fans talking on social media, it was the fact that if Solskjaer was carrying on this run, he'll be gone by Christmas. And it was always that he'll be gone by Christmas. Following the suit of what Jose Mourinho uh, sort of parted ways with United last year, he'll be gone by Christmas. He's been up in the air. Is anything drastic going to happen like that if the results don't go their way? Now there's glimpses of what this team can do, Mark. He's not gone back. For me, personally, I'm a United fan. I've seen the results. I, I, I can see that if a couple of results don't fall his way, the pressure will be back on, but don't see him gone by Christmas. I think you're right. I think there's um, there's a willingness to give Solskjaer time and, and to try and see this through. You know, um, that's, that's certainly the noises you hear from United, and I think they're sincere when they say that. But my concern would be that at a club of United size... Um, and I think we saw this just before the international break. One, when one defeat turns into two and three, mm-hmm. or just even, not even defeats, disappointing results. You think of like Rochdale or yep. you know the other uh, Astana. They won that game, but it still wasn't very impressive. When that starts to happen, the, a, a certain momentum builds. And I think the little run that they've got just before Christmas with City, uh, Tottenham, I think as well are in there. Um, there's the last Europa League game. Yeah, I, I think if you know. There is a situation where it, it could just it could just kind of get out of hand if you like, but I, I like I say, I think for now, um, even regardless of those those three wins, I think there is a there is a certain patience and a willingness to to let Solskjaer like have a go, basically. Pin, you agree? I agree because I think it's got to the point now where we're what four managers down and nothing's changed. So like, why why would you do the same thing and sack a manager and then get the same sort of? It's just like a. Um, a merry-go-round of yeah. managers. Why would you keep doing that? And I think, like Mark said, there is sort of a willingness with the fans as well to keep Solskjaer. Um, although, you know, if if fixtures or results don't go their way, regardless, it's sort of a thing of, well, you know, we've tried sacking a manager. We've tried it four times. Um, so what? let's try keeping this manager and seeing how well it goes. Indeed. Uh, final say on Manchester United, it is only gone by Christmas. No, I don't think so. I, I'd, I'd take the, the points that the guys have mentioned. Jay from Full Time Red Devils, who's on the show last week, made a really good point, which is all the instability at other clubs, Arsenal with Emery, potential criticism of Lampard at the start of the season, not now. He said something very interesting, which was just that wouldn't happen at United. And he said something which, which kind of resounded with me last week, which was United fans know that the situation with Solskjaer isn't perfect, but they know that there's a way that Manchester United do things, particularly when it comes to former players and particularly with someone with the profile of Solskjaer. And that, for me, is is what's kind of keeping him in position. He's being allowed that situation because United fans know, as Pien said, the the options are pretty limited, but also where do they go if, if Solskjaer goes? It's, it's not the United way to just be sacking managers willy-nilly. And I think that's something that is prevalent within the fan base, that 
other fan bases from other clubs can take a lot from. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, when you listen to this, the half 12 kickoff, it could already be played now. You might already know the result of Bournemouth against Manchester United. Uh, I'm hoping for a United win. We all hope for a United win. Even Fergal's not the eye. Yeah, 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 yeah. Neutral. <laughs> neutral. <laughs> right, let's head to Bramall Lane for three o'clock kickoff. It's Sheffield United against Burnley. I suggest that both teams are doing rather well in the Premier League and what is such a, a crazy season to predict. Uh, Chris Wilder's men uh, with, with a sort of entrance into the Premier League in style, would you say, Virgil? For we're not a lot of hope for them, but maybe Chris's way, Wilder's way of playing has helped Sheffield get a bit of a not momentum in this season. Uh, it has. I remember on the, the first show or the second show of the season, and I was mocked. I think it was Pete Hall who was on with me for saying that I thought Sheffield United would get top 10, maybe top 12 finish. And it's been so far so good from what they're doing. I don't expect them to be pulling up any trees, but for me... The reason that I do, I'm, I'm sticking by that, I would, I'd say maybe 12th, is that they've got a way of playing which is way more conducive to the Premier League than sides that have been in the Premier League for three or four seasons. Mm-hmm. They've actually already got a better way of playing than sides that have been clinging on to their Premier League status for, for the last two or three seasons. They're already more adapted. The players seem more capable physically, mentally, particularly tactically. Uh, obviously, a lot gets made of Wilder and, and 3-5-2 system and overlapping centre-backs. I don't necessarily think it's anything groundbreaking what he's done. I think he's got a system whereby his defenders are good at the back, his wing-backs will will run all day and, and put the opposition full-backs under pressure. He's got three tidy midfielders. The issue for, for Wilder and for Sheffield United has been goals. But I, I, I do think the, the way that they play, they're actually showing the likes of Brighton, um, I'm struggling to think of another off the top of my head, Brighton, Brighton's just, just jumped to mind. Watford. Brighton, Watford, thank you. Um, potentially even Newcastle. They're showing these teams that have survived the last few seasons because there's been three teams worse than them. They're showing them not not to you know reinvent the wheel, but to say this is how to play football to remain in the Premier League and potentially you know push your objectives a little bit. So the the, the big black mark against their name so far has been goals. They've struggled to score goals, and and ultimately maybe we could be having this conversation in March and saying that that's been their undoing. They haven't had a goal scorer. They haven't had a, a Glenn Murray or someone like that to get them enough goals to get them over the line. But I think it's so far so good for them. Yeah, and Burnley doing all right. Being uh, obviously just sitting in 13th behind Sheffield United. They will overtake them with a win against them today, uh, to whenever you're listening, actually, or this weekend. Uh, you, you've seen two managers who uh, who seem to understand the game quite well. They've got a great sort of relationship with their players. You see that the, the sort of do-or-die mentality. And you, you think two managers have got quite job security. When you look at other managers, say like the Watford uh, sides, where well, you don't really know how long the manager might stay in the role for, you've got two managers there who, who really want to make a go of this Premier League Burnley against Sheffield United what are you thinking and, and who do you think you're going to get the win well let's talk about the brilliant Sheffield United manager Chris Wilder yes, because brilliant. I think he is just such a character <laughs> and it's brilliant for the Premier League mm-hmm. because we need someone like him he's a bit like um, you know the Burnley manager Sean Dyke as well yeah. and like I just think that with having someone like Chris Wilder in the Premier League that actually says it how it is, that is a little bit, you know, is really straightforward, just says what he wants to say. He actually says what he's thinking. And this is sort of has a little bit of like a background insight to how a Premier League team sort of works yeah. as well. And he said something really interesting the other day that because everyone was sort of on this hype of how good Sheffield United are doing in the Premier League. And they are. They have had a brilliant um, Premier League run so far, considering they were just promoted. Um, but not that long ago, they were a League One club. 
And now they're playing in the Premier League and they are doing really well and they are with going up against the likes of Burnley. And you and Fergal was saying before before we came to do the podcast that um, you know, Sheffield United will use Burnley as a little bit of like a you know, a copycat to, yeah. to keep in the league. Um and I think they will be able to stay in the league. Um it will be probably a difficult one. Sheffield United don't have the best home record. Um <laughs> But I think it might. I think it will be sort of loggerheads with yeah. Burnley and Sheffield. Or well, bringing Mark into that, Mark, you often sat in front of the likes of Pep Guardiola, big professional managers who who have got this experience of being at the top of the game. Uh, what do you see when you see Chris Wilder talk and Sean Dyshaw? What, what do you see there? And are you excited by it that the fact that he might be in the Premier League for many years to come? I think um, I think Wilder is definitely exciting. I think Wilder is a guy. I mean, if we're talking the best English manager in the country at the moment, I think you've got you probably he's in the conversation at least if not the answer to that question. Um and I think what's more impressive than I like I like his straight talking like Peen says. I think what's more most impressive is that he's he's come to the Premier League with that plan, with that identity that is quite radically different from other promoted teams that we've seen in the past and he's implemented it and done so successfully like the eighth in the table at the moment. They've got the best joint best defense I think it is in the league. So Wilder definitely impresses me. I mean, Dyche now, I think, I think I'm right in saying this week he became, because Jim Bentley at Morecambe left, he became the longest serving manager in English <laughs> football. And I think that says everything about the record that he's done there. I mean, I don't, I'm not too fond sometimes of his complaints about VAR and diving and how it's, well, it's you know, it's re- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> causing, you know, moral decay and like, oh, <laughs> kids on the playground are going to be, you know, whatever. That, I'm not too much of a fan of that. But I mean, you can't knock what the job he's done at Burnley over the years. And yeah, like we've said, I think Burnley have almost, you remember when they, um, they obviously first came up, then got relegated, but they kept Dyche, came back up again. And I think what we saw then was a lot of gritty, defensive, one nil wins, you know, but, you know, des- deserved a lot of credit for them. And that's provided a bit of a blueprint that you see Wilder and others are following. Yeah, I think also as well, you know, if you started the uh, the year thinking what we're going to talk about on this podcast, many of you wouldn't put Sheffield United against Burnley down. But because they've got their managers, because they're doing quite well at the start of the league, we are talking about it. And again, we only wait to see that 3pm kickoff Burnley against Sheffield United at Bramall Lane. What a game that will be. Right, we're going to take a little break and we'll be back after this. Sports Social. Football Social Daily, Premier League Preview. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily. My name is Joe McGraw and XS Manchester Breakfast. I've got Peen from the BBC. Hello, Peen. Hello. Fergal from the Sports Social is always here. And obviously Mark from the Independent. Yep. Right, it's time to have a chat about Everton against Spurs. It's a big game and it needs a sort of big look at it because there's a lot of um, storylines going on in this, uh, what would be classed as, you know, two teams who might at the start of the season, be fighting for a top four finish. A bit of a ropey start to the season, but this could end up with it being again later on in the year, two teams that are still fighting for that top four if they get things back on track. The main headlines have been, I'd say personally, about Spurs and their lack of form just because of their Champions League final uh, last season and because they did so well uh, last season as well. What do you think then, Fergal? Who is doing the worst this season? Everton obviously is sitting on 16th, but Tottenham, you know, the, the second half of the table. Um, when you put them together, I'd, prob- I'd still say that Everton are. Uh, I didn't believe the, the stuff at the start of the season where there was talk of them getting the Champions League or getting the top six or top seven. I definitely didn't think they were going to get top six, uh, sorry, top four, and I thought they'd find it quite difficult to get top seven despite the money that they've spent. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason for that, I've mentioned this a number of times on, on, on other podcasts, is the lack of a plan under Marco Silva. 
Um, and that's the reason why I'd, I'd err more towards Tottenham. Yes, they have struggled. Yes, there's been issues with the manager and, and there's players that clearly do not want to be at the club anymore and probably in the next six to nine months won't be at the club anymore. But I think when you look at Tottenham's situation, they've got a much greater capability to get out of it in terms of reaching their objectives. We're all aware now in the situation that Manchester City and Liverpool have cut themselves adrift of everybody else. Tottenham in the situation that they're in now are still very close to where they want to be, which is top four. They're only six six places away from that. A couple of positive results, they can get themselves into that situation. The issue for Tottenham at the moment is that there's a number of players that just, as I say, don't seem to want to be there. I do think that Pochettino has the ability in the nous to either move them on and get the right players in or potentially look to, to bring other players into the squad. I don't think Silva has the ability to do that and I don't think he has the players to do that because I also think he's going live, gonna live to do- live by the sword or die by the sword. The players that he spent all the money on in the summer, he has to play. Those, play- those very players that he's brought in are not hitting anywhere near the headlines that he thought they would or, or they thought they would. So I think, you know, we talked about corners and have they been turned? Are they almost turned, half turned? Uh, with Manchester United, I think Everton are in exactly that situation as well. They're very far away from turning their proverbial corner, despite the fact that they've done okay of late. Do you think Everton are in a struggle for the entire season? Do you think Marco Silva might just sort of get the ball rolling? <laughs> Everton might pick up a bit of form? Or could this be just the, the story of their 2019-20 season? I'm... Um... <sighs> more inclined to think that it might just be the story of their season with a, long season for Everton with fans, a couple of hit yeah well a couple of hit and miss I don't know you were saying before which ones had the worst season you said Everton I think you're right with saying Everton have had the worst season but with Spurs I think it's more of a shock so people are more more inclined to be like what's going on with Spurs whereas for me on the outside looking in thinking oh Everton they're always sort of just a little bit you know coasting along a little bit mm-hmm. and now they're going they're coasting but a little bit worse of a coast whereas like Spurs are going down dropping down to yeah. an Everton level um so I think if if Everton can stop being so consistently sort of riding the coastline and just staying sort of mid-table because they are now a mid-table team but they're yeah. going down like they're going even further yeah. down and I don't know what it needs, like you said, if you need those new, you know, the signings that he brought in for them to, you know, start actually playing a little bit better for him. Um, but at the moment, it just seems like they're just sort of sitting there waiting for something to happen, but nothing's happening for them. Uh, would you say that, I mean, Spurs looking at some of their stats here for the mark, winless uh, away in the Premier League in the last 11 games, so they've struggled a lot. Due to lost nine, which is tr- tr- tough on the road for them. Mm-hmm. Going to Everton, uh, Goodison Park, it's a great opportunity to get things back on track for Tottenham. It's a bigger game for them, I feel. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think, yeah, I agree with the general point here that Everton might be lowering the table at the moment, but we definitely didn't see this coming from Spurs. Or, I mean, the signs were perhaps there, but it is a bit more of a shock and a surprise because there was it, their poor end to last season was kind of masked by the Champions League. So they go, you know, I, I think the problem at Tottenham really is teams go through cycles. You know, we think of Manchester United under Ferguson, how many different teams he had to incorporate and how there's, there's like three great teams there. Um, and this one, the key players at Tottenham, you think of these players that are in and out of the team now, Ericsson, Rose, Alderweireld, Vertonghen, contracts running out, they want to leave. They've been there for about four, five, six years now. And perhaps it's just time for a new band of players to come in. And Pochettino's there, he's got Ndombele, he's got Lo Celso, uh, he's got 
uh, Ryan Sesson Young's coming mm-hmm. coming back soon. You know, once those players are bedded in, maybe we'll see a bit of an improvement from Spurs. But I mean, I was I was Anfield last week when um, when they lost to Liverpool, and Ndombele comes on second half and he brings a little bit more of a impetus, a bit, a bit more influence on the game. After that, I thought Spurs really looked a bit more solid in midfield. But then um, one of my colleagues asked Pochettino afterwards, you know, what did you think of Ndombele's performance? I, I thought he, he seemed to do well when he came on. And Pochettino's like, what do you mean do well? Like, what are you talking about? As if, as if he didn't see what yeah. everybody else saw. Yeah. And, you know, like, I understand that. I don't think he was, I don't think that was necessarily him digging out Ndombele, but I think there is perhaps a little bit of a resistance to let go of these, of these players that, you know, are, are halfway out the door. And maybe there just needs to be, you know, the axe needs to fall and we just need to say, this that's the old Spurs, this is the new Spurs and this is the way we're going forward. We're going to ask a question, I was going to ask you, is any manager uh, getting pushed off the cliff uh, this this week with it being if the results don't go their way? Should any manager be fearing their job? Marco Silva doesn't get the win. Uh, it's not going to be a great time for, for Everton. Is Marco Silva closer to, to losing his job or is there a sense of let's give this guy some time? I think... Um, well, you know, he's had time. He's had he's, he's had, had about a, a year time. and a bit now. And the problem that I have with Silver and Everton, I think, is that you don't really see the overarching strategy. You don't see the plan coming together. I think last year, um, Adrissa Garner Gay, he's been a big loss for them to PSG because he tied a lot of things together and kind of made the midfield function. And now you've got a team that tries to play out the back, tries and needs to play with pace in defence, but has Michael Keane, who's not quite the quickest, you know, central defender um, up front. It's either I can never say his name, but Moisey Ken is that mm. right? Yeah, yeah, okay, Moisey Ken. <laughs> Moisey Ken or Dominic Calvert-Lewin, two completely different players. So how it all comes together, I'm not quite sure. I think um, I think Everton have been a, a little unlucky in games, definitely last week at Brighton, but Silver's coming under more and more pressure, certainly. Yeah, I think the situation a month ago, which was he was told we or we were told that he was told he had three games to save his job, which was the um, Brighton game the West Ham game before that, and then the EFL Cup game with, with Watford in midweek. He's won two of those. Yep. But again, I think it just masks the situation. West Ham were very poor and their form has nosedived in the last month. And then Watford in the EFL Cup was a dreadful game. Nobody <laughs> nobody came away from that as, as a winner, uh, particularly not anyone that was watching it for any sort of semblance of, of good football being played. And that, I just think it comes back to the, the point of Silver's lack of plan, Silver's lack of way of playing. And I'm sure there'll be Everton fans listening to this and saying, no, he does this or he does this. And yeah, the, the issue here is there seems to be jigsaw pieces scattered around. There seems to be a semblance of, of how to do things. And you look at the players and you'd go, well, of course, Gilfie Sigurdsson can operate well as a number 10. And in theory, you've got someone like Fabian Delph and Andre Gomez sitting behind him. Delph kind of ratting around and winning the ball and turning things over. Gomez is really good on the ball. Get it into Sigurdsson's feet. You've got someone like Richarlison on one side, Bernard on the other. Keane, who's obviously coming in the summer, Calvert-Lewin. But it still isn't clicking. So for me, when you've got those things there, and you like, I'm not a football manager. None of us here pretend to be football managers that we can, you know, knit these things together. Otherwise, I wouldn't be on this podcast. <laughs> um, I'd be getting ready for the game this afternoon. But it, it does seem to be that he doesn't know what to do. And, and that's been seen in games when Everton have been losing or they've been drawing or they've needed something in the last 20 minutes or half an hour. And the substitutions he's been made have been so strange in terms of. Players have come on. They don't really seem to know where they're going. They don't really seem to know who's meant to be playing where. And, and I think Keane's the best example of this. He's been hung out to dry. He's played scraps of games. He's been fed with scraps from, from the midfield. 
he played a lot of his football on the left of a three last season because he wasn't going to get in in front of Cristiano Ronaldo. That was one of the reasons why he left Juventus mm-hmm. because he's a central striker by trade and he wanted to play through the middle. He's come to Everton. Not only is he not playing in his preferred position, he's not really playing. And then there's this kind of, well, why isn't Keane doing it? But, like, he's only he's only a young striker. We mentioned Rashford but at the start of the show. You cannot expect a young striker to come on for 10, 15 minute bits of games, get a goal to for a team that's under pressure and a manager that's under pressure. And then when he doesn't, not quite hang him out to dry, but be like, why isn't Keane doing this? He paid all this money. You know, he should be doing this, should be doing this. These things don't change overnight and they don't change. Young players need structure. They need a plan in order to, to, to work off, to to maximise their potential. Mm-hmm. Final question uh, of the podcast. And don't worry if there's no answers to this one. We can <laughs> we can wait till next week. Is every manager going to be safe no matter what this weekend? Is there anyone who might see the the, the back of the door for their, um, their club if the results don't go their way? Um, I'm thinking I'm having a look I'm thinking everyone's alright Arsenal if they get beat by Wolves what if, what if Ralph Arsenal gets beat 9-0 again at Man City yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's true Yeah, what do you think about that Virgil I think, I think it's such a strange situation for him we were chatting about this before we before we started recording and, and as Pim was saying they played in the EFA Cup against Manchester City in, in the midweek and it was such an odd game it was such an odd atmosphere of City Guardiola said it a few weeks ago that you know the most disrespectful thing you can do to an opponent is take pity on them but he kind of took half pity on them in the, in the he didn't he didn't roll them over yeah. but he, he definitely didn't you know go through go through all the gears that Man City can um I think he's 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 safe enough because I think he's yet another manager that falls into this category of well, what are Southampton going to do if he goes? Who comes in? Who really changes things? Um, but I think there's a lot of managers that in the next month to six weeks are going to be under massive pressure. You do, Pete, anyone? Are we okay? Going to well, be I was thinking about Ralphie as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I agree. I agree to the extent. But then as, at the same time, it's one of those things of, you know, he said it's the worst defeat he's ever had in his career. Well, why did that happen? Yeah, exactly. You know, we're like, well... It's it's really it's, you know it's really easy for me to be like you know they did a really bad game so he should be sacked and this person should be sacked mm-hmm. and you can say you know like it's you know he needs the time and and whatnot but then you know he got he was battered nine nil <laughs> then they lost three one to City and they're probably going to lose again to City yeah. so if you're thinking like oh well he's going to be safe because you're going to lose anyway so you know what's the point in even you know thinking to keep him <laughs> kind of thing I suppose we wait and see Mark do we. Uh, yeah, I, th- I don't think I don't think he'll he'll go. I don't think they'll get beat nine nil either. But uh, yeah, wait ten nil. Ten nil. He'll be this yeah. weekend. If you're going to beat someone nine nil, beat him ten nil. Yeah. Yeah. I think if it's anything like that, he'll just walk into the press conference with his own P45 and say, "Listen, I'm off." Yeah, yeah I away. think that'll be the end of it. Oh, it oh. is sad though, isn't it? When things like that happen, you think the poor guy <laughs> clearly didn't go in there going, "Right, guys, let's just oh, yeah. get beat nine nil." Shocking result. Well, never mind. Uh, right, that has been the Sports Social Podcast. Uh, for, make sure you obviously hit subscribe onto this podcast wherever you're listening uh, and enable the Sports Social on your electronic all this weekend to catch up with the Premier League latest from your teams uh, my name's been Joe I've had Mark here from the Independent thank you very much Mark thank you. have a wonderful weekend Fergal have a wonderful weekend so Pien, thank you very much for coming in and have a wonderful weekend wherever you're watching I hope your team does really really well unless you're a Bournemouth fan obviously I don't yes. <laughs> bye <laughs> Football Social Daily Premier League Preview it is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.